Welcome to the Lifehouse Podcast. Our aim is that together we can love God, love others as we walk each step with Christ. We hope you find this message practical, encouraging and life-giving. Be blessed. All through school, I was always a sprinter and never a long-distance runner. I would either come first or second whenever it was the 100 meter sprints, but anything over about 800 meters and I would almost come in dead last. That was until I hit year, year 12. I decided that in order to avoid study, I should take up some jogging. So I started to you know, increase my, my stamina and my endurance. Anyway, I'd started jogging for maybe only a couple of weeks and our math teacher said, all right, class, today instead of doing math, we're going to go outside and we're going to do a cross-country run. We're going to have a race. The, the whole year level is going to run a, a two-kilometer cross-country race. So we put our pens down. We were all excited. We ran out of the, the classroom. We went down into a paddock just uh, nearby and he showed us this course that went through the trees and through a creek and ended up back at the same point at where we started. Anyway, so he said, right guys, this is a race. So he lined us all up and he said, ready, set, go and, and off we ran. Well, because I had been in training and no one else had, as we were approaching the end of the circuit there, I realized that I was very close to the front of the pack and I still had quite a bit of stamina left. And with my sprinting ability, I knew that if I made a sprint to the, to the line, that I was actually gonna win. So I took a deep breath and I, I ran, I ran with all that I was worth. I thought I'm gonna give my all, spend every last little bit of energy that I have to cross that line first. And I did. I got across the line first, it was amazing. It was the first time that I'd ever won a long distance race, or so I thought. I should have realized that being the math teacher that he was still trying to teach us a lesson in math and he said, Josh, as I was grasping for air on the ground at his feet, well done. You've done one lap, one kilometer, another lap to go. Well, you can probably imagine that I didn't actually end up winning the race. I had to walk probably half of the second lap because I was just spent. I had given my everything. I had run to finish instead of running to win. And Paul talks about that in 1 Corinthians 9.24. He says, do you not know that in a race all the runners run? but only one gets the prize. Run in such a way as to get the prize. 
Now, there was no prize apart from, you know, the accolade and the bragging rights with all my mates. But even so, I still wanted to win. But my downfall wasn't that I didn't know where to go. It wasn't that I didn't have the speed. It's that, as I said, I was running to finish instead of running to win. I had nothing left in the tank. I was spent. And Jesus said in Matthew 11, 28 to 30, he said, Are you weary, carrying a heavy burden? Come to me. I will refresh your life, for I am your oasis. Simply join your life with mine. Learn my ways and you'll discover that I am gentle. I'm humble. I'm easy to please. You'll find refreshment and rest in me. For all that I require of you will be pleasant and easy to bear. At the end of that first lap, I was carrying a heavy burden. I was carrying a weight. And I think if I had time, as that scripture said, to get away and to be refreshed and to come back out and then do that second lap, I reckon I could have run it equally as fast and beat the, the rest of the field with equal ease. But life's not always like that. As we enter this week, we've entered now stage three of the path back to these coronavirus management plan. And we're able to meet together in church again. We're able to reopen our church doors, which is great news and really exciting. And that's why we're doing this series called Church Reopened is the title for today. But really the, the title for this series is Church Reimagined. Because I think before we just reopen the doors, before we just get ready to run our second lap, we need to stop and take stock because I think many of us have run that race just like me. We've been running to finish instead of running to win. That we have found ourselves tired and worn out and that we've given everything that we had just to make it to where we are right now. And even though we want to get up, even though we want to keep going, even though we want to follow after God and we, we want to be excited for the things of God, we're just tired. We're just worn out. And so if we just go back to doing things the way that we did them before, if we just go back to running that second lap exactly the way that we ran the first, we will find that we can't do it. And that passage where Jesus is talking about living life with Him and it being restful and peaceful, that is not what we're experiencing. 
And our church should look more like what Jesus is explaining than what maybe we have been experiencing. And it's not just with our church life, it's with our life in general. So I'm not just here to speak a motivational message for us to just get up and dig deeper and dig hard and press in and just do the other lap, just get it done. I'm here to say, if you're carrying a heavy burden, if you don't think that you can just run another lap the same way that you ran the first, well then take heart because Jesus isn't asking you to do that. He's actually asking you to find peace and rest and refreshment in Him and to know that anything that He asks you to do is actually not going to be hard, is not going to be strenuous. It's actually going to be easy and light and actually bring refreshing. There is a way that we can serve God. There is a way that our church can serve our community and for it to actually be refreshing to our souls. So what does that then look like? What does that look like for us as individuals? And what does that look like for us as Lifehouse Church? Well, to answer that, we're going to have a look at the first time that word church was ever used when Jesus spoke about what his church should be and what it should do. Matthew 16, 13 to 19. When Jesus came to Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who are the people saying that I am? Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, some Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. Then he asked them, what do you think I am? Simon Peter answered, the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of the living God. God has blessed you, Simon, son of Jonah, Jesus said, for my Father in heaven has revealed personally this to you. This is not from any human source. You are Peter, a stone, and upon this rock I will build my church. And all the powers of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give you keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever doors you lock on earth shall be locked in heaven. And whatever doors you open on earth shall be open in heaven. So according to this passage, a church, a true church opens doors. It has keys to open doors. In fact, it closes three doors and it opens three doors. That it closes the door to oppression and it opens the door to freedom. It closes the door to doubt and opens the door of revelation. And it closes the door of sin and death, the door to hell, 
and it opens the door to salvation, to heaven. So before we reopen the physical doors to our church, before we just get ready to run that second lap, we need to make sure that the right doors are closed and that the right doors are going to be the ones that are reopened. So we don't just end up going back to that place where we're tired and worn out, where we're not just running to finish, we're actually running in such a way that we win, that we win salvation. So let's reimagine what our church can be. Let's reimagine what it can look like with those doors closed and these new doors reopened. And so to do that, we're going to have a look at three misconceptions of what people think the church is and how it is actually so much more than just that. So point one, an open and refreshing church is not less than a building, but more. This building is very important to me. I was saved here. I was baptized here. I was married here. And almost everybody in my life that is important to me, I met here. So the building is important. But when we refer to the church, sometimes people think just of the building. And the building is important. It provides a safe place. It provides a sanctuary where people can come and get away from the noise and the distraction of the world and be with God and focus on God. So the building is important. But the church is more than just a building. In 1 Peter 2 verses 4 and 5, it says, So keep coming to Him who is the living stone. Though he was rejected and discarded by men, but chosen by God and is priceless in God's sight. Come and be his living stones who are continually being assembled into a sanctuary for God. For now, you serve, you, you serve as holy priests, offering up spiritual sacrifices that he readily accepts through Jesus. You're acceptable through Jesus. You are priests. So anything then that does not build up the priests, anything that does not build up the sanctuary becomes a weight. So the words that we use can either build up other people or can tear them down. So if we're going to live a life that is free, not a life that is grasping for air, lying on the ground, but a triumphant, victorious life, a refreshing, rejuvenating life that Jesus is calling us to, then we need to make sure that we are building 
into God's people and building into God's house, that we are using our words and interacting with people in such a way that it is actually building them up spiritually. So there are people that you are called to build up spiritually. Invest in those relationships. There are people that are called to build you up spiritually. Value those relationships. But then there are people that actually bring you down, that their words are destructive, that their words are like that heavy weight, trying to run a race, carrying those heavy weights of guilt and shame and condemnation. And so we need to remove those relationships from our life. So during this time, some of you may have been tempted to run, but you're running from something. You're running from that relationship. You weren't running from that job. You're running from the pressure and the weight that you feel. But the thing is, is that we're not called to run from something. If we spend all of our time running from things, there's so many things to run from that you are just going to get tired. That we're actually called to run to something. That we're called to run to our calling. That we're called to run to our purpose. That when we actually allow ourselves to be placed within the family of God, placed within the structure of the sanctuary of his house. That is what this passage is talking about. The living stones that we're placed there, that there's a certain place that we fit. There's a certain place that we belong. And when we allow ourselves to be placed there, all of a sudden it changes everything. Because you see, on our own, when we're running from things, even the littlest of weight can weigh us down. I don't know if you've ever been walking and you've had like a pebble in your shoe. It's just so annoying. It's the tiniest little thing and yet it hinders our walk so much when we're walking by ourselves. And yet this brick can seem insignificant can seem like it doesn't matter if it's here or not. And we can feel like that sometimes too. We can feel as though we're just the same as everyone else. It doesn't matter, but we do matter to God. Take that brick out and it changes the structure of the whole wall. But you see, when this brick is placed with others around and about it, it can actually bear such a heavy load and not be weighed down by it. That is the power of community. That is the power when we do things together. And you see, God is our foundation stone. That is also what that passage goes on to talk about. And Spurgeon said this. He said, when God places a burden upon you, he places his arms underneath you. That when God is our foundation stone, that when he is pulling us up and providing that support from underneath, no matter what weight comes on top, 
we can bear it, we can carry it because his arms are what is underneath you, carrying you. Just this week, my wife, Belinda, bought a, a weighted blanket. I don't know if you've ever heard of such a thing. It's like a blanket that weighs seven kilos. I don't know why she wanted to buy it initially. I thought that she was just trying to weigh me down and keep me from, you know, making my nighttime advances on her if you kind of get my drift. But no, the idea of this weighted blanket is that you feel secure, that you feel supported, that you feel at home and at peace with that weight on all sides of you. So let's build safety and security in the freedom of God. You see, we need to shut the door to oppression and allow others to oppress us and open the door to freedom, the true freedom that God wants for us. So, point two. An open and refreshing church is not less than a community organization, but more. And this is where we close the door of doubt and we open the door of revelation. You see, there are many great community organizations doing a lot of great things. But we're not called to do good things. We're not called to do great things. We're called to do God things. Because there are so many different needs. There are so many things that seem right. But if we do everything that just seems right, that seems good, we're going to end up back in that place of being tired and worn out, grasping for air as we lay on the ground, having run our hardest, crossing the line, but having to do that next lap. Proverbs 14.12 says, Before every person lies a road that seems to be right, but in the end, that road leads to death and destruction. Not a very happy, positive verse, but something that we need to take heed of, that we're not just following aimlessly, but that we need to actually have revelation from God before we step out and do things. And we're standing here, right where I'm standing is the site of Gifford Hill where we believe that the school by faith is going to be. Because we don't just want to reopen old doors that have been closed. We believe that God, by revelation, is calling us to open brand new ones. But we don't want this new door to just be a new source of, of tiredness and strain. But you see, this, this new door was not just birthed out of a desire to fill a need. 
This dream was birthed out of a revelation that God has given to us. You see, many of you know that I have a teaching background, that I was a teacher for, for many years. And we have so many other teachers in the church and people that work in schools in our community. And we have so many kids that are crying out for schools, good Christian schools. And so people have come so many times and said, why doesn't the church start a school? And we could have just responded to the need, but we needed to wait for this dream, this revelation that God gave to Howard Long many years ago, that our church as it is would keep operating, but that on a hill nearby that there would be a training facility. This was the word, the revelation that God gave to Howard. And that closed the door to doubt and it opened the door to the revelation that God was doing something. And I believe that as we stepped through that door and took hold of that revelation that God had given to us, that then further doors have opened up. And I believe with all my heart that, again, as we heard in our Joshua series, that everywhere we plant the sole of our foot is going to be ours and so right now I'm planting the soles of my feet in the revelation that God had for us. But we could very easily just respond to needs. But the thing is our world is full of needs. It's so tempting to just follow Whatever needs come up, whatever situations, whenever someone comes and they present an opportunity for need, it's so tempting to want to move in that direction because we want to feel needed. But if we just say yes to every need that presents itself, then we're going to find that that road leads to destruction, as the passage said. God doesn't want that for us. He doesn't want us just running around responding to needs. He wants us to listen to his word and respond out of revelation, divine revelation. So yes, there is a need for education and we hope to fulfill that need. But even more than that, than just responding to the need for education, we want to respond to God's word and his revelation for us. So you could spend your whole life striving for that finish line of meeting everyone that's important to use needs. But that's not what God wants. It's the fastest way to burn yourself out and it would be the fastest way for us as a church to burn out and spread ourselves thin. So we're not going to, as funny as it sounds, we're not going to respond to needs. We're going to follow revelation. And part three. An open and refreshing church is not less than a business, but more. You see, as a church, we can decide that we either 
want to be successful, faithful, or fruitful? Where is that finishing line for us? There are elements of the church where we do have to act like a business and we have to be business-like. But if we allow ourselves to set that finish line as success, what we will end up doing is we will end up loving things and using people rather than loving people and using things. And that is not what God is calling us to. But that's where success drives people. That's what tires them out. But as they have to go for that second lap to get more people, to be more successful, to strive after more and more and get more and more tired, that is not what God wants for us. And many churches fall into that trap of just trying to get more people and better Instagram posts and more followers. But we've actually seen that even though our doors have had to close, that there's still been fruit. That God is calling us to be fruitful. So, yes, we are called to be a business, but we're called to so much more. C.S. Lewis said this, I love this. Joy is the serious business of heaven. So our business is to see people enter in to eternal joy. So we need to close the door to sin and hell and open the doors to heaven. Open the doors to heaven over our community and over our church. So, is the church building a community? A community organization? Or is it a building? Or is it a business? Yes, it is all three, but it is actually so much more. So during this time, we've had to close the physical doors to our church. But when that one set of doors closed, so many other doors and so many other hearts were opened up. So before we reopen those doors, we want to make sure that we're not closing off all of those new doors that have been opened. You see, even when we look back about God's chosen people in biblical times, they had three physical doors that needed to remain open to the things of God. I want to read to you a passage of scripture because I believe that we are still God's chosen people for today. And I believe that we need to keep those, these same three physical doors open. So Deuteronomy 11, 18 to 21. It says, so let what I'm saying sink deeply into your hearts and souls. Do whatever it takes to remember what I am telling you. Put a reminder on the doorpost 
where, the cro- where you cross the threshold or the city gate. Teach these things to your children. Tell them about it when you're sitting together in your home. Make them the last thing you talk about before you go to bed and the first thing you talk about the next morning. That way, you and your children will be blessed. So they had to write God's word across the door to their city. They had to write God's word across the the doorposts of their homes. And of course, God's word was inscribed upon the door into the temple in Jerusalem. So these are the three things. These are the three doors that need to remain open. The door to our homes, the door to our community, and the door to our church. You see, each and every day, just like for them, we need to be opening God's word. We need to be sharing God's word with our immediate family, with those under our roof and in our house as we enter through that doorway and as we leave the doorway to our house it should be an open door to the things of God and then we need to have an open doorway to our community and this is what has happened with our life homes that our life home hosts have opened up the door to their community to come and to gather and then of course just like for the people of Israel, when they would travel to the, the temple in Jerusalem for the festivals, for the celebrations that were held regularly. So too, we're about to reopen the doors to our church so that we as a larger community can travel to be together, that we can celebrate and have these festivals where we remember, as it's said in the passage, the good things and the great things that God has done in us and through us and for us. So we need all three of those physical doors and all three of those spiritual doors that we have been talking about opened so that we're sure that we're not going to get tired, that we're not going to get run down but that we're actually moving into those places, running the race that God has set before us, that we may win the prize of that eternal salvation. God wants us to do that without getting re-tired, re-anxietied, re-worried, re-stressed, but that we would simply be reopened to God's love, his embrace, and his majesty. So, will you commit to these three things? That I will reopen my home daily to build people. That we will reopen our community frequently 
to bring revelation and that God will reopen and rebuild his church eternally to welcome home his forever family. And so part of that remembering is what we're going to do now part of that celebrating that gathering together for the festivals when the the jewish people would gather together for festivals there would be drinking and there would be food and they would remember what god has done and so if you'd like to get your elements ready for communion now start to hand them out start to get them ready as we prepare to celebrate and remember all that God has done in reopening his, his house, our house, that we can celebrate together. So, one of the key doors that needs to always remain open is that door of remembrance, that door of salvation. God's door of salvation is never closed to you or to anyone. That our old life, full, full of fear, full of guilt, full of shame, full of condemnation, that door has been closed. And a new door of life and salvation has been opened. That door of salvation that we could have never opened ourselves but that Jesus opened for us when he died upon the cross. And that is what communion celebrates. And that is what communion remembers. But as we take communion together, let's remember that unlike any other religion, we don't just walk through the door to salvation, to heaven at the end of our life, that we actually walk through that door, that, that door is left open to us at the beginning of our new life, our new life in Christ. That the role that the church has to play is not just as an open door to get us into heaven, but Jesus died to get an open heaven into us. So let's pray now as we prepare to take communion together. Dear Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you for opening up your heart and opening up the door to us to receive salvation. That when you died upon the cross and when you shed your blood and allowed your body to be broken for us, it opened up a door, a door that we could never go through ourselves, a, a door to eternal life. So Father, as we celebrate the reopening of your house, a place to remember you and celebrate you, we're just so in awe of what you've already done in us and through us as a church community. But Lord, we also pray 
that many, many more doors would be open doorways to opportunity. Opportunity to build into the lives of precious other people. Doorways to, to freedom from oppression, freedom from addictions. That many more doorways of life and hope would be opened up across our community. And Lord, I pray that whether it be for the first time or whether it be going through that doorway again, that all of us now, through the power of your shed blood and your broken body, that we would all enter through that doorway to salvation provided to us in and through your Son, Jesus Christ. So Father, be for us that life, be for us that hope, be for us that refreshing spirit that we so desperately need, that as we partake of this fruit of the vine and fruit of the field, that it would sustain us, but that it would be you that sustains us and you that refreshes us and makes us new and brings us back home to forever be with you. In Jesus' wonderful name we pray. Amen. Let's eat and drink as we worship God together. Thank you for joining us this week. If you wish to connect with us, please send an email to info at life.house or come and see us at 170 Adelaide Road, Murray Bridge. And remember, the door is always open for you at Lifehouse. God's house, our home.